when the spies returned from Jericho and gave a favorable report to Joshua, then Joshua began to instruct Israel. Their instructions were to along a line along the east bank of the Jordan River. This was an awesome time for Israel. Can you imagine being there when it's out of its banks and you're told to align on the east side? Then, after aligning the tribes along the east bank, Joshua instructed the Levitical priests. He told them to carry the ark down into the middle of the water. Excuse me. And as the priest carried the ark down to the middle of the river, the waters began to pile up on the north side. It stopped all the seasonal rains from coming south and all of the melt-off from the Lebanon snow, the mountains. So here they are on the east side of the Jordan. I can imagine all of us being lined up there. Imagine the priests make their journey down the middle to that river. The waters pile up on the north. There are two significant theological observations to make. One is 12 stones out of the middle of the Jordan. Those 12 stones will be placed in a certain place so that it will establish memories, a memorial. The second observation is this. The kind of people that God wanted Israel to be. The kind of people that God wanted Israel to be. And the kind of people that he yearns for us to be today. God then, and to us today, call them, and he's calling us today, to be crossover people. Crossover people. The closer you get to the river, the louder it gets, the more dangerous it looks. But God calls us to be crossover people. Crossover people. Pastor Brooks, be a crossover pastor. Christ's legacy, let's be crossover people. And they crossed over. For the first time in the history, after decades and decades and decades and decades of promises, Israel stepped their feet on the promised land. 
in Canaan. I want you to think about that. And the reason I walked through the crowd is because those were people just like us. Just like us. In Joshua 3, 1 and 4, let's read about it. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. In our time, that's about 3,000 feet. God did that so that they could always have it far enough in front that they could see. God never wanted them to move without watching him. Notice it says, do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go for you have never passed this way before. I don't have to tell you that you and I live in a new day. It is a different day, and we all understand, at least to some extent, how things have changed. And I remember a year or so ago when all this change became back in, I think, 20, early spring of 20, we always thought about when will we get back to normal? When will we get back to normal? I have news for you. I don't think there is a yesterday normal. Every life, yours, mine, every life has its crossover times. These are times of transition that are often fraught with potential disaster. How many of you know that you faced things you had no idea how it was going to turn out? This was a traumatic time for Israel. For 40 years, they had wandered after Egyptian bondage. And in those 40 years, they got accustomed to that way of life. I declare to you, the human inclination is to get used to how things are. That's our tendency. And God always Look at the, look at the, all the way through. Look at God was always moving these people forward. Change almost always produces the resistance factor. Doesn't it? If I were to ask you, and I won't raise your hand, how many of you resist change? It can be pretty, pretty incriminating. Bless her heart, my mom's got a flip phone that I think came over with the ark, and it. <laughs> she just totally refuses to change her telephone. To some extent, in 94 years, I guess you earn the right just to have what you want. <laughs> Somebody said amen really loudly over here. <laughs> 
I want you to observe something, though. Forty years earlier, Israel was instructed numerous times to go forward, go forward. And in the Hebrew, the verb there is nasa. Nasa, go forward, journey, travel, move forward, nasa. Another translation that we read in the New King James is set out. That is the word nasa. There was this constant going forward. The word nasa is used 89 times in the book of Numbers, and it meant journey, move forward, keep traveling. However, in the book of Joshua, this verb nasa that means travel is only used three times. And we read it just a while ago, one of them. It's called set out, set out, move, set out, prepare, set out to move. Chapter 3, verse 1, set out from Acacia Grove. We just read it. Verse 3, set out from your place. Follow the Ark of the Covenant. And fourthly, set out from their camp. What is the significance? What is the significance? Listen to it. Crossing the Jordan meant the arrival. Let's not forget all the way back through the covenants, all the way back through Abraham. This was not just moving forward. This was start here and arrive. All the Exodus departure, all that wilderness experience had been the preparation for this crossing, this river Jordan was the fulfillment of God's promise to all the patriarchs in the past. But now, the word here, Joshua changes the Hebrew verb from nasa to abar. It means to cross over. It means to pass over. This is used 21 times from chapter 3-1 to chapter 5-1. So in two chapters, this Abar is used 21 times. Totally different than how God instructed them for all those years. He changed words. Words are important. This verb emphasizes... This verb emphasizes the nature of this particular moment in history. To change the entire verb means this is a different time. This is a moment in history. And this change in verbs distinguishes use from everything before. This word was never used. This word abar was never used to describe the passing and the crossing of the Red Sea and everything that had to do with Egypt. This verb abar connotes a major significance. E. John Hamlin in a book that I read meaning called Inheriting the Land. Listen to what he says about this abar moment. 
The reason for this is the verb abar implies crossing over a boundary, whether physical, like a river valley, Deuteronomy 2.13, political, like a nation's border, Deuteronomy 2.18, or immoral, as to enter into a covenant, like a marriage or an agreement, Deuteronomy 29.12, or a decision, a crossing over, transgressing a commandment, Deuteronomy 26.13. While walking through the waters of the Red Sea was both an escape and a liberation, crossing over Jordan meant entering a new kind of life in that promised land. The physical boundary formed by the deep rift in the Jordan River had to be crossed. More than that, the crossing marked a decisive transition which involved inheriting, meaning acquiring tenancy rights and finding rest. Must be the devil trying to silence me. I didn't even move. There's an old song. I heard it when I was a child. And I want to be kind. It was called, I won't have to cross Jordan alone. I've heard it for many years since I was a ch child. To be certain, I know its author had good intentions. The song likens the crossing of the Jordan to dying from this life, death. And it assures that as we cross this Jordan, this dying process, that Jesus will be there. I've heard the chorus many times. It said, I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Jesus died all my sins to atone. In the darkness I see, he'll be waiting for me. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. alone. The idea is comfort during a time of death, and surely God has said he would accompany us in that. But I just don't want to clear with you, though I love the song and I like it, it's a part of my fond memories as a child, I will declare to you it lacks the theology. Because listen, the land of Canaan was not heaven. The land of Canaan was not even an earthly paradise. It was not a place where they would experience a transcendent existence in which there would never be another problem. Canaan was a place where the whole nature, hear me, here's what Canaan was. It was a place God wanted to give Israel so that what it is to be God's people is tooled out and worked out, and they become the supreme example of a relationship with their creator and fulfill the purpose of their being created. Israel... They're still in Canaan on a sin-cursed world. Israel with 
would experience, even in Canaan, the pain of failure, the joy of some success. Canaan represented a great improvement over the past 400 years. But Canaan was not utopia. It represented in the New Testament what we refer to and what the Scripture says about come to Christ and you become redeemed and twice born in the blood of the Lamb, cover your sins, and then you live an absolute dying to self, willingly obedient to God because of what He's done for you and how much He loved you and that relationship grows so deep and there's nothing you would withhold from him. You live for his will and not your own. Romans 8:28. all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose, not our own. And he said, you live in that old kind of obedience and I will give you an abundant life here and now. I've always thought it humorous. Years ago, I... I was in a church service with a, a, a guy that used to work in the Vatican. And he had become a Christian and accepting Christ, and he was giving a testimony. And he was talking about a story about how I wonder what God would intend to do with our lives. And because we weren't obedient or we didn't ask for it, we didn't just make it specific. Didn't just specifically ask him. He told a story about a man and his wife who were married, lived all their life, and because her sister never married, the maid lived with them for 50 years. The story goes on, this is, I've told this on Wednesday nights before, the story goes on that this man passed away. He comes to the pearly gates, as we know, and he's escorted to his mansion and when he opens the door, you can't even step in. Hardly you can look around. The whole room of his mansion is just stacked full of boxes, little boxes, big boxes, every kind of box you could ever imagine. And the question was, what, what is all this? And he said, this is all the things that God wanted to give you. These are all the things that had you asked God for it, he would have given it to you. I always took from that story, if there's ever going to be any disappointments when we cross, as it were, over into heaven, when we do arrive at the eternal place, if there is any disappointment, I wonder if it will be because we could have had so much or done so much for the Lord and because we didn't have the faith for it or the, dis or the obedience for it, we lost it. I think there's wood, hay, and stubble to be seen. And so he saw this large box, and he said, what is that big box right there? And he said, that was a brother-in-law for your sister you never asked for. <laughs> a husband for your sister-in-law. And while that strikes us as humorous, I wonder if it would help us to remind ourselves that the truth is there is no telling what God would love to do for us and through us if we lived as crossover people. Israel would still be 
in a struggle. This life would be a life in Canaan that God intended to be dedicated to holiness, a life dedicated to, again, obedience in God, and the blessed life because we were in intimate relationship with God. Watch this. Except for Caleb and Joshua, all Israel was headed for a brand new experience. Young people, mom and dad, our lives have these occasions called Abar times. Those crossing over experiences where we can travel for a while, but God always has something more and better in mind for our lives. And these crossing over experiences, everyone in this room has passed through some. It's, it, it's a place that can be frightening because we like to know what's coming. We would love for God to show us the next 30 years. But the truth is, if he did, we may not take the next step. Abar times, these places where God, the water's loud. Here Israel stands. I wish, wish I could just have us all stand up a line and, and just imagine the water and Watch it pile up. I cannot fathom what that experience was like to just human beings like you and me. Here they are standing on the east banks of the Jordan. And by the way, don't forget it's in flood time. That, ladies and gentlemen, if I had young children, would be a terrifying thing, more my concern for my children as opposed to myself. Accustomed to the past and the present, this will be one of the biggest changes they'll ever experience in their life. It was a decision. It was impending. They had to make a choice. I want to stop and parenthetically add this morning to this message right here. I think that we perhaps are there as a nation today. I think there are choices being made in this country, and I think we're at a crossing place where either America is going to continue to acknowledge God or we will totally push him out as Israel has done numerous times before. I wonder in my mind, in my spirit, are we at a place where we're going to say, God, get out of our lives, get out of our nation? There are people who are dedicated to put this book out of society and they're dedicated to stop the message you and I preach and believe. And I think America's at that crossing place. I think we ought to say, God, help us, especially for those that come behind us. Some of us know about these A-bar moments. Standing, in a sense, shuddering on the edge of uncertainty. You know what? I kind of understand the world when they have no faith in God and they don't want to believe it and they're agnostic or they claim to be atheists. And I'll just be honest with you. When fear comes and an A-bar moment comes, I understand they're shaking and quivering in fear. I understand all that. But I really believe God has called us to live a much more confident life. 
standing in the midst of total uncertainty. Let's join Israel. Let's join the tribes on the east bank. Waters are rushing in front of us. The fortress across the river is Jericho. It has chariots of iron, even giants in the land. We've known about that for 40 years. At such a moment, most of us become very prone to hold on to that which is familiar. Even when we have been stale in our relationship, wandering, even when we've been treading with no forward gain, even when we keeping time but no progress, I want to tell you something. Hear me, saint of God. God loves you enough that after a while of wondering, God's going to push you to make a decision. God will put you on the banks and ask you to be a crossover mom and dad to help us get from NASA set out on a journey, go forward, wandering. To get us from Nasa to Abar, we have to cross over. God places us at these crossover times, but he does it to expand our relationship with him. God is not a tyrant. God does not play tricks on us. God simply pushes us to say, son, daughter, cross over. There's a promise. I have something much better. I have a work I want you to do. He pushes us in a relationship. He, crossover times cause us to grow. Crossover times are to claim a new territory. It is a time to inherit, can I say, what God has in store for us. I want to just touch some crossover times. Sometimes a crossover times is a crisis when we're children in our childhood. Sometimes things happen that just devastate our world. There are some crossover times in our teens when we make some of the most important decisions we make of a lifetime. Like in your teen years when... when can I just frankly say hormones and emotions and all kind of physical changes and all that come and we try to answer things for ourselves and we have questions like who are my friends and who are not my friends and do they like me, do they not like me, am I in the in crowd, yes or no, then we go to what college do I go to, should I marry, if I should marry, who should I marry, what job, career should I take. And we finally maybe get there out of university and we may be married and we settle down. And watch it. That's one of those times where we, we like it like it is. Crossover, A-bar times. Maybe a crisis comes then after young marriage. Maybe it's a financial failure. Maybe it's a painful divorce. Maybe it's a financial success and we are at a place where we have to decide about new areas in which we live. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question this morning.
how do we handle a crossover experience? How do we handle this, this Abar time and the fear of the unknown that it brings to our lives? Maybe it's a disease or an illness. And maybe we've thought about hearing this word, cancer. I just officiated a service this last Wednesday morning for one of my cousins that I love dearly. She didn't have cancer, but we lost her. And it makes you realize that it's time to take inventory of where we are. I hope we do that. I presently have some friends that have cancer, some in their 60s, some 50s, even no one in their 30s. I contemplated about nine years ago now, I contemplated what I would do if I heard that word and I heard it. It, it becomes one of those crossover times where we go. <laughs> I've been to places where I go, God, I have no idea what this is going to be like. Lord, I do, I can't see. I was at a time in my very early ministry when my wife had surgery and passed major blood clots in her lungs and the doctor after Several days tied both legs, both feet, uh, both legs, both hands, and her head to the hospital bed. She couldn't move, maybe dislodge blood clots. And he said, I don't know. I have to keep her still as possible. These crossover times, Satan will tell you this is all over. This is your undoing. I told you, these are some of the words I heard. I told you that you weren't called to the ministry. I told you that you wouldn't be a success. Look what you've got yourself into here. I think everybody in this room has probably experienced, I know we have some crossover moments. I will tell you, now some almost 45 years in the ministry. I look back at these crossover moments and I, I love at that time and cherish the call that God has placed on my life. Satan, you can say whatever you want. I didn't put me in this business. I'm telling you, it took the Lord a long time, but I finally surrendered. Don't do the Lord that way. But I cherish today my call beyond it. Here's why. Because I can stand and still stand, stand and say, Saints, every pathway that is new for us is not new for God. Every time we are at a crossover time, an A-bar time, 
I will tell you this. It may not be to our liking. It may not be within our timing. It may not be within our understanding. I will tell you this. God is sovereign. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. He is far beyond us, but thank God he's that kind of God that you and I don't understand, but he is already in every day in the future, including eternity, and he loves you and me more than anything in creation. And why we get to the human realm where we try to reason all the time in the human reasoning. I don't want to give this away, but a couple of weeks from now, I'm going to use a term purposely. It, it just came to me in a different way. I'm going to use a term that you're going to misunderstand, and I'm going to use it on purpose. Because, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes at our best, we just don't get it. Every time we're at a crossover time, I want to tell you, Maybe not to our liking, but God will make a way. We used to sing the old chorus, I know God will make a way. If I live a holy life, shun the wrong and do the right, I know the Lord will make a way. And when you are shown, watch this, when you're shown all the difficulties, when you're shown all the facts, and the enemy comes in and brings all the doubt and all the negative. Watch this. Stay with me just a minute. Sometimes in that time right there, sometimes God will intentionally raise the bar. It's a good time to pause and think just a moment. Sometime God will raise the bar. Let me show you the Abar time for Gideon. Just quickly, simply, you can look it up later. You think you've had a crossover time? Watch this. Gideon began with 32,000 soldiers versus 135,000. 32,000 versus 135,000. And God raised the bar, and he said, I want 300 versus 135,000. That was an A-bar moment for Gideon. Boy, I love to travel with Elijah. God said to Elijah, have them come, build this altar, all the stones, put the sacrifice on it, let their gods cry out, and they did for so many hours. And then it came to this. God said, now you pray. And the water, the scripture says he had them pour buckets of water on the sacrifice, the rock, everything, a pool around it, if you will. And when Elijah prayed, the scripture said that the fire of God came down, not only consumed the sacrifice, melted the rocks, and licked up the water. But let me tell you, a few seconds before that, Elijah was at an Abar moment. And let me say I praise God for all these people, but I want to tell you something. They were mightily used of God, but here's something we should not ever forget. They were people just like you and me. Here in, jo in, in Joshua 3.15, the scripture said, the, Lord, the Jordan overflows all its banks during the, whole, during the whole time of harvest. 
Actually, the Jordan isn't very difficult to cross most of the year. For 400 years, Israel had dreamed crossing that promised land. For 40 years, they fantasized about what lay beyond that river. But it also cultivated and stirred deep fears about giants in that land. And in addition to all these fears and all these facts, God brought them to the river at the time when it overflowed its banks by the rains in the season and the melted snow from the Lebanon mountains. Why didn't God cross them when it was the lowest in the year? I will tell you this. God will share everything he created with us. But there's one thing God won't share with us. And that's the glory that belongs only to him. If we can somehow muster our, our own abilities and our reasons and we can, we can make all those things, and we make some things happen, then we have a tendency to say, look what I did. Well, when God ups the game, let me just give you a hint. When God ups the situation, it is for this purpose so that you know and everybody knows you can't do this. And when God does it, he should receive that glory. I read one author, and I'm through. I read one author said this. <laughs> I, love this I love this phrase. That's why I want you to hear it. Here stands a million and a half Boatless Hebrews. <laughs> Boatless Hebrews. Listen to the fear. Look at the, look, look at the, the, the scary part of it. Put that water up there. Do we have it? Just think about it. We're standing there. Are we going to cross? I know the line there. We're faced to cross over during flood tide. God, it's unthinkable. Generation 2022, God is working in this day as sure as he worked in that day. He's the same God. It is at these moments that we are privileged to be God's crossover people. I want to know what decision is in front of your life. What, what place are you today? What is circumstance designed, maybe even by the enemy? But I will tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, God calls us to be crossing people. I have a newsflash for you. Jesus himself said, broad is the way, and many there are that find it in the way to destruction. But narrow is the way, and few that find it to eternal life. Some of make an observation. We have been taught and trained psychologically, and I believe subconsciously and subliminally, if you want to use those terms, to be like the crowd. In a democracy, we like for majority to rule. 
I'll be glad when I get to heaven and it's not a democracy. It's not a monarchy. It's a theocracy. Father, Son, and Spirit, rule it and reign it. Here's my point. If broad is the way, and many there are that find it to destruction, and narrow is the way, and few that find it to eternal life, what in the world are we doing trying to be like the majority? Young people, advertisements all over this place, on the online, on your iPad, on your telephone, everything out there is trying to reach for your mind and your emotions, trying to seduce you, if you will, spiritually, to a world that has become antagonistic toward a holy God. We really, really do struggle with peer pressure. I think God would have us make some decisions and say, Lord, here I am. Help me be crossover people. How many of you know as parents there's some difficult choices to make sometimes? What decision are you going to make today? Today. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray we hear your voice. The very thing, Lord, that you'd speak to us. I wonder what you have in our future for us as individuals, for each family, for this congregation. I'm unaware, Lord, of what's facing everyone in this room, but I know you're aware. The very position, the place every one of us stand. We're on the banks, Lord, of something. And I pray, God, that you would give us a peace. Lord, I pray that we would lay aside perhaps for a while, just human reason. Push aside all the facts and say, Lord, here I am. Your servant is listening. Maybe each one of us need to take a time out, Lord. In the prayer closet. And rededicate ourselves, Lord, to, to walk with you. And say, Lord, I want to fulfill your will. God, you be supreme. You lead me, Lord, and I will follow. Lord, the world's values I will put aside. Lord, as for me and my house, that's what the leader Joshua said. We will serve the Lord. And God said to him, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Speak that to us today.
Father, I pray for parents who are in a Abar time, Lord, needing to know what the future for their children. God, and some perhaps struggle in marriage. I pray, Lord, for some young lives. What college, what career, what marriage mate. Lord, for someone in a business. Thank you, Father, that when we seek you with a whole heart, the word declares that we can find you. I prayed during this season, Lord, to help me be a crossover leader. Help me not to be afraid. Help me, Lord, not to lean to my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge you. And you said you'd direct our paths. I ask we all dedicate ourselves to that today. For Father, in these coming days, I believe you want us to be crossover people.